Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, so have you ever thought about, like, what are the best companies to work for in Michigan? Um, I've... I've thought about companies I've worked for over the years and, uh, well, several of them. And, of course, I've been in radio broadcasting for most of that in my adult life. Um, but I never really gave it too much thought, I guess. <laughs> uh, I think everybody always wants to try to find, like, the, the best employer that they can possibly well, work sure. for. Um, well, somebody has done the work for us. Yeah. And, you know, in these days, people are a lot pickier now about what they're willing to do yeah. for work. I would say the landscape has completely changed. Absolutely. Um, you know, people have changed in general, too. And it's not just about income. That's some of it. That is uh, that is a big part of it. Uh, but just uh, the amount of grief you have to deal with. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, five companies have made the top 100 best places to work. According to Fortune magazine, they put this out every year. Yeah, and if you're looking for a new job and you want to be sure to find a good company this time, well, they put it together. Like we said, of the 100 companies on this list, there are uh, five right here in Michigan. Yep, the magazine compiled the list using surveys from employees, uh, over 870,000 employees across so that's a pretty the good. Yeah, this is a pretty pretty good list here. So we're going to go in order of where these Michigan companies were at in the top 100. The first one, Lacey? Uh, coming in at number 99 was Dow Chemical in Midland. 74% of its employees at Dow say that it's a great place to work compared to 57% of employees at a typical U.S.-based company. Uh, number one on the list of why people love working at Dow, it is the people. And to me, that's a very important part of uh, having a good work uh, experience is the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, yeah, I know. You're so fed up with your coworker half the time. <laughs> yeah. And I... <laughs> I live with her too. <laughs> We're married too. No, you are good to work with, and you're also a wonderful wife, Lacey. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I mean that. That's not just for uh, radio brownie points. All right, back to the list. <laughs> Number sixty-nine, Stryker in Kalamazoo. Uh, they are one of the world's leading medical technology companies. The company employs over twenty-one thousand people, and Stryker has an employee approval rating of 91%. And in fact, they were the only West Michigan-based company that made this list. Uh, Stryker scored high points among parents working there and uh, also has been cited for diversity and being a great place for women to work. Oh, great indeed. And uh, number 49 was uh, credit acceptance in Southfield. Uh, credit acceptance offers automobile dealers financing programs to help them sell vehicles to consumers regardless of their credit history. They employ close to 2,000 people. 92% of credit acceptance employees say it was a great place to work. Teamwork is listed as the top reason why people say they enjoy working there. It has a high ratings for millennials working there and parents say the company is very good about helping them manage their time. All right. And Southfield uh, makes an appearance again at number 30. Uh, this one is Plant and Moran Accountants. Uh, this company does actually have a Grand Rapids location, um, but they are one of the nation's largest audit, tax, consulting, and wealth management firms. 
90% of Plant Moran employees say it is a great place to work and say it's the people and the care the company feels for them as their top reasons to work there. In fact, they've been in the top 100 of best companies on this list for seven years in a row. And last but not least, at number seven, Rocket Financial in Detroit. Rocket Companies is a Detroit-based holding company consisting of personal finance and consumer technology brands, including Rocket Mortgage, Rocket Homes, Rocket Loans, Rocket Auto, Rock Central, Rocket Innovation Studio, Amarok, Core Digital Media, and believe it or not, the list goes on and on. (laughs) 94% of Rocket employees say it is a great place to work. Team and culture were the words brought up the most by employees when talking about the reasons for uh, they enjoy working there. It has finished in the top 10 of best companies to work for in uh, five out of the last seven years. All right. And uh, we're going to have a follow-up next week of the five worst company. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, So real quick, uh, just for fun. Okay. um, What was your best job in high school? Let's not... In high school? Yeah. uh, It was probably working at a a little locally owned uh, pizza shop in uh, Centerville. That was probably the one I enjoyed the most. Okay. Um, Or or babysitting. I really enjoyed babysitting, and I did quite a bit of that. Well, you weren't working for someone else. Well, yeah. Well, I guess you are, somebody's parents. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see. What was mine? I I had quite a few different jobs in high school and post-high school. Um, I worked at a pharmacy and got to deliver medicine to different nursing homes and group homes around. I think that's the one I probably heard you talk about the most. Well, it was fun because to me, again, remember, I'm in high school. Just got my license probably gas was way before. cheaper. Gas was cheaper. Well they they had a they had a car provided, so even better. And it was a pretty nice car. Ah. Um and so let's see. Here's the job details, Brandon. Here's what you're gonna need to do. Um you're gonna load up all the medicine into the car, uh, and drive around for three and a half hours all over town. You get to listen to the radio. Um just make sure you get those stops and get back and then you get to go home. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> It was a. It was my. That was actually one of my first jobs as well. That was the one that I took so that I didn't end up playing golf. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. Anyway, uh, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a look at your weather and news. Ninety-five-three WBCK, and joining us now is Aaron Murphy of the West Michigan Tourist Association. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, uh, how are you doing? We've had a, a big weather shift. <laughs> We sure have. Yep, I am in Grand Rapids right now, and it's a little bit sunny, and it feels like summer's maybe coming. So very exciting. <laughs> Fingers crossed on that. Uh, so you got some great events for us uh, beginning uh, with Easter weekend. We sure do. Yep, this coming weekend is Easter weekend, and on Saturday, April sixteenth, you can join the Easter egg hunt at Cornwell's Turkeyville in Marshall. Your kids can bring their own basket and sign up for the free egg hunt. And they will find prize-filled eggs around the Turkeyville grounds with candy, prizes, tickets for free ice cream, and more. After the hunt, you can stick around to order lunch off of their menu featuring all sorts of great turkey dishes, like their delicious grilled cheese sandwich with turkey or a turkey pot pie. You're going to want to arrive around 10.30 a.m. in order to sign up before the hunt begins. I love a turkey pot pie. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, some off-map glamping. Uh, that's a craze people have been getting into uh, lately, the glamping. Tell us about this event. Absolutely, yeah. And like we talked about, you know, warmer weather means summer is around the corner. If you're still looking for some fun plans, definitely would recommend off-map glamping in South Haven. 
They offer luxury camping featuring the best of camping with the luxuries of an upscale resort. So you stay in a comfortable safari tent furnished with wonderful, luxurious mattresses, high-quality linens, and charming decor. Their property is located just minutes from great dining, shopping, wineries, breweries, and more. So it leaves lots of southwest Michigan to be explored during your stay. Summer availability is likely to fill up, so you're going to want to book your stay soon for that as well. That does sound like fun. That's my type of glamping right there. (laughs) Uh, So Lighthouse Map Tour, what can you tell us about that? Yes, hot off the presses are... 2022 Lake Michigan Lighthouse Map and Circle Tour just was released. So if you're interested in the lighthouses that surround Lake Michigan, you're going to want to pick up a copy of this map. Uh, It folds out to a poster-sized map of Lake Michigan and shows all of the over 100 lighthouses that you will find around the lake. This year's map features South Haven Lighthouse on the cover, courtesy of photographer Dan Zeef. And you can request your free copy either by mail or you can view the map digitally at any time at WMTA.org. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, too. Uh, so many fun places to explore uh, along the lake and really all over the state. Absolutely, yeah. And definitely with this warmer weather that we're talking about, it's just a great time to get out and explore and make some fun plans for the spring and summer. Absolutely, especially after being cooped up uh, all winter. Erin Murphy, West Michigan Tourist Association, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much. Have a great one. And uh, something funny kind of happening. It's always good to have something to laugh about. And our friends to the south, or should I say our frenemies to the south of the border uh, in Ohio, uh, seem to like to give us lots of reasons. They are very good at uh, keeping the supply coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the latest uh, from the great state of Ohio uh, is a uh, is two videos of a man who had to chase down his riding lawnmower. These are priceless, Lacey. <laughs> yeah, it looks like this uh, rabbit speed chase took place uh, somewhere around Herod, Ohio. It's a small town with less than 400 residents, a little east of Lima. And uh, last Tuesday, Abby Boffman uploaded a video to a popular social media app of a man running with every ounce of the energy he had <laughs> in an attempt to catch his runaway riding lawnmower. Yep, she titled the video, Casual Tuesday Morning in Ohio. <laughs> um, we have these videos posted on the website. We'll give you some details as well. Um, but the video has been viewed over... 12.8 million times, so a lot of people are getting a good chuckle out of this, Lacey. Yeah, for good reason, because it is quite hilarious. In fact, so funny, um, it was a little suspicious. Uh, could it have been staged? Uh, she seems to be recording uh, at just the exact moment. Luckily, two days later, Abby uploaded video footage taken from a home security system that shows the moment the lawnmower made a break for it. And uh, this video is even just as funny as the first. Yeah, this is a, a two-for-one deal, basically. Um, as the guy pulls onto a country road near his house, it basically looks like he became unable to handle the speed of the lawnmower, and he ended up flying off of the back of it. She's narrowly missing an oncoming car that crosses the streets and goes for a country drive through a field. <laughs> The, per- the person who filmed the hilarious moment reached out to let us know that the man and the lawnmower are, in fact, doing fine. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, the runaway mower stopped after hitting the bushes outside of a neighboring home. The young man told her that he was able to get the mower started right up after hitting those bushes. <laughs> um, how, do, how, 
how fast does this lawnmower go? Because I'm thinking, I've ridden on riding lawnmowers before. They never went so fast that I flew off the back. Yeah, well, I mean, some of the newer models maybe uh, go a little bit faster. Or perhaps this guy... um, Souped it up? Yeah, added a little horsepower. (laughs) I'm picturing Tim Allen right now. More power. Yeah, (laughs) Actually, the whole idea of this, um, him chasing it down, reminds me of a scene you might have seen on the Home Improvement Show back yeah, in the day. Yeah, I feel like I remember him <laughs> souping up a riding lawnmower and something bad happening. He did. There was an episode, uh, one of the many that Bob Vila, who was kind of his nemesis on the show because he was the popular fix-it guy. Yeah. Tim was on a local TV show. Right. And uh, so Bob Vila comes in and they, I think they had a lawnmower race. <laughs> Or something like that, if I remember the episode right. And so both, One. Of, both I, I'm pretty sure it was probably Bob Vila. Okay. <laughs> but uh, a lot of the episode shows Tim Allen uh, souping it up and adding turbo and all sorts of things. And I think when he takes off, it goes flying and he falls off or something like that. I might not be remembering it quite right. but Well, uh, we're going to have to look that up later tonight because it's been a minute since I've watched Home Improvement anyhow. True. But you should look this video up of the Ohio yeah. man chasing his lawnmower. You can find it on our website, 953wbck.com. You can also find it on the WBCK app. And your weather today, uh, it's going to be sunny this afternoon. Winds from the northwest up to 35 miles per hour. We could see gusts occasionally reaching over 40 miles per hour with a high today in the lower 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy, still very windy with a low near 40 degrees. Tomorrow, windy, overcast skies, a chance for light rain and a high in the lower 50s. Right now, we have sunny skies. It's 36 degrees and it feels like 28. And we have a big 8 o'clock hour on the way. The first cash code word at around 8.30 and in just a few minutes, we'll be joined once again by local historian Michael Delaware to talk about some fun local history once again. Uh, We appreciate him coming in and uh, we'll check in with him after we check the news and the weather. But first, Michael Delaware is back to talk local history. This time, we're going to be chatting about stagecoaches that were scattered throughout West Southwest Michigan uh, over a hundred years ago. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we're going to talk a little bit about the plank roads and stagecoaches and some little history of Barney's Tavern. Well, you know, I bet there are some people that aren't even familiar with the uh, plank roads. Yeah, there's actually a difference um, between the two. Their early roads in Michigan, after they had the territorial roads, they were kind of filled with rag- wagon ruts. <laughs> and so they started these plans to start building wooden roads. And the first types were really the corduroy roads, which were essentially timber trackways made by laying logs side by side. Um, but they proved problematic for horses. So they invested into what was called plank roads, which were made from hewn logs, and they were uh, sometimes called punchian logs, and they were built with stringers to hold them together so they were more square, they didn't roll, and they became more flatter um, pathways. And the history, uh, there's a book called The History of Barry County, written by uh, William Potter. He, did, he describes that in 1848, there were 46 plank road companies chartered in Michigan. The following year, there were 39, and then in 1850, there were 60. So there were over 100-plus plank road companies. Wow. And between 1845 to 1855, this that era in Michigan could have been called the plank road era in the state. 
So no. were those easier to get around on than uh, the roads we have today, or would that be more difficult? Well, that's a hard one to call. I, I would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, they seem like it would be kind of fun to ride on a wooden road. I have yeah. to say that. You know, and so. they wouldn't have. Well, I guess they could have potholes. Yeah, too. <laughs> I feel like maybe the road issue has been around for a very long time. <laughs> and, and how they funded some of these roads was they made them toll roads, so they could get private investors and they'd get their money back from the tolls. And in Battle Creek, there was one that went from Wood Avenue all the way out to Bedford. And that's where Barney comes into play. His ah. name was Nathaniel Barney. And he was a pioneer that moved to Michigan in um, 1833. And he built his first log cabin kind of closer to town. And that was, he was the first tavern keeper in the area. And then uh, he went through three different um, changes in the building, built it three different times. And the one that is his last one is still standing today out on Michigan Avenue in Bedford. It's at 1278 Michigan Avenue. And it's a private residence now, so don't go knocking on the door no. there, folks. <laughs> Please don't. Um, but it's, it's like a rental, rental house right now. But it's a beautiful building. It still looks like it's in pretty good shape. And that was the tavern. That was the place where people would stop. And, and they, would, they had the stagecoach routes that ran from Marshall to Battle Creek. And that was one of the stops along the way. And he made sure that the... Um, stables were across the street so that they would have to change the horses and the people that were riding as passengers would come into the tavern and have a little bit of food and some drinks. That sounds like a good investment. Yeah, and they would stay overnight. They'd go on up to Hastings the next morning and move on up to Middleville and Grand Rapids and so forth. Well, one thing that might surprise people, because uh, you mentioned it, it was a toll road. And um, some people, other than the Mackinac, there's times I've talked about Michigan doesn't have toll roads and somebody will jump in and say, yes, we do. The Mackinac, <laughs> the Mackinac Bridge is technically a toll road, and I guess technically maybe that's right. I mean, it's the bridge, but it's a road yeah. as well. Um, a couple of years ago, in fact, I think I did an article about some of the stuff you're talking about saying Michigan actually once had toll roads. Yep. Um, and I suppose it was probably to, to help uh, take care of the expenses for constructing these things. Yeah, it was, and that's how some of the, the private investors were funded. And there were different fees for different types of riders on the toll road. There was one fee for a horse rider. There was another fee charged for loose horses, another for wagons, carriages, and stagecoaches, and even separate fees for flocks of sheep. <laughs> so. So you got sheep running up in front yeah, and they're so trying was, to... <laughs> yeah. There's some pictures and a video that I've got coming out tomorrow that show hay wagons coming down the wooden plank roads. It's really kind of cool. It's too bad there were, uh, that we couldn't see what that... I mean, I know there's pictures and stuff like that, but I'm just trying to picture uh, these people going down these wooden roads with sheep running around and I'm trying to keep them, you know... It was just, yeah, just common everyday life then, though. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the, and the stagecoach rides um, were the main route. I mean, if you wanted to go up to Hastings, you went by stagecoach until the railroad came in Battle Creek. And then that changed. But the route between Battle Creek and Hastings still remained a stagecoach route up until about 1868, which is quite fascinating. How long did it take uh, to get around back then? Uh, like, how times, long would a trip to Hastings or Marshall take from I Battle think from, Creek? If you went from Marshall to Grand Rapids, it was probably an all-day journey. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's, you know, it depends on where you started on it because there were uh, – the, the territorial road went all the way out to Ypsilanti. So there were stagecoach routes where they stopped in Jackson, Marshall, and then – um, Barney's Tavern was in Battle Creek, and then it went on to either Kalamazoo or up into Hastings. Wow, just yeah. a very different way to, to travel. Yeah. We've gotten so used to uh, the convenience of modern life, obviously. Um, back then, it took a lot of work to plan uh, a trip that you know we could do in an hour or so today. Yeah.
And we can take a look at into the inside of Barney's Tavern, I guess, after whenever you guys want to do the break. Well, one thing, yeah, we got a couple minutes uh, before we hit the break. Um, one thing I want to know about uh, where the plank roads were, bo- were built uh, before they put those in. Um, were these already established trails or roadways, maybe were, Native Americans or something like that? They were pioneer that? trails, yeah. And the, the main territorial road was kind of the southern part of Battle Creek at that time, and the village eventually grew to both sides of it. But territorial road, as we know in Battle Creek, part, that section was the original territorial road. And then it ran all the way up through, um, like through the post factory area and looped around. It actually follows the railroad for a section of it here in Battle Creek because the railroad, when they came in, they just built it right on the territorial road and said, well, you guys need to move your road. This is already <laughs> cleared for us. And so that was kind of what was done. Um, but there's a whole, I've done a whole video on that as well, the territorial road route tracking it through Battle Creek. But then they had pioneer um, spurs that went up into Battle Creek and in, in, into Bedford. And those roads, eventual wooden roads, were built on top of those or adjacent to them. Okay. And some of the ones uh, now looking forward or looking forward from that point uh, were some of the ones that maybe went to Grand Rapids. Is that what eventually would become M37 or some of these M routes? Yeah, I think M37 was partially is partially original. And you'll find if you look up road construction, I've even had comments from people all over the state you know, they tear up roads in the UP. They tore up one down here on Territorial Road in Battle Creek where they would find the corduroy roads, uh, remnants of them below. Sometimes they'd find remnants of the plank roads. But the plank roads typically were, were pulled out and then they laid the gravel. So what you'll find under these old pavings is they'll find the territory, the, uh, the corduroy roads because they would just pave right over them because they'd already sunk in the mud when they were building the roads. So are they? do they do that with everyone, or is it possible that uh, some of them have been left there just as kind of like a time capsule of sorts? Yeah, it could be. It depends on you know what, the, what era they were built, but certainly, yeah. All right. Well, we will take a quick break. We're talking with local historian Michael Delaware um, about a few different things this morning, uh, some of the old plank roads that were around the Battle Creek area and across Michigan back in the 1800s. Uh, And then we're going to talk about a few other things uh, when we get back. And we are back talking with Michael Delaware. He's a local historian. And uh, today we've been talking about plank roads. We're going to talk about stagecoaches. But first, we need to know, Michael, who is Nathaniel Barney? Well, he was a pioneer settler that came into the area from Chautauqua County, New York, on March 9th, 1833. And he set up a small log cabin initially that was a tavern and it was near the confluence of the battle creek and kalamazoo river which is not far from the battle creek regional history museum today no and then later he built a larger as it became more popular out towards uh, michigan avenue and um and he built this tavern and there's a, actually a very interesting article that ran in um 1938 which was they were doing like a hundred year looking back article mm-hmm. and they gave a really um interesting insight into what a pioneer might experience somebody traveling on the pioneer on the uh, the wooden roads and when they arrive at barney's tavern and here it reads it says a rumble of steel tired wheels on a wooden planks the driver call of woe and a cheery hospitable greeting of welcome stranger from nathaniel barney that would be the arrival in the 1850s of a stagecoach at barney's tavern on the old plank toll road that ran out to what is now west michigan avenue to bedford road it was 20 years earlier in 1838 just 100 years ago that nathaniel barney built the tavern which still stands at 1278 west michigan avenue 
And then he goes on to describe that you could hear the sound of dancing feet because that was where the kids would come out to come to dance parties on the second floor. Oh. Barney's Tavern was kind of a hangout. He also had his own um, brew. And he said that in the morning when the traveler would awake, he would hear smell the aroma of fat bacon filling the room and go down to a hot breakfast that would stand him well against <laughs> the jolting journey that lay ahead all the way to Hastings. Yeah, you'd want to load up on some bacon. I mean, that's a good idea yeah. any, any day. Gotta have the bacon. <laughs> and then if the traveler was not accustomed to the wilds of Michigan, he might be surprised to hear a gunshot from a door or a window of the tavern and see a deer fall in a yard because it was not unusual, historians say, of the period to see Barney stand in the doorway of his tavern and raise a gun to his shoulder and fell a deer or other game in the front yard. Well, you don't want them out on the, your plank road right. in your way. And you got to feed the guests, you know, so you got to have that out there. So that was kind of the insight into it. His children, um, some of his sons, Oliver and Milton, Milton became the first stagecoach driver between Battle Creek and Marshall, and he delivered the first mail wow. on that route. So, and then Oliver also grew up in the tavern. He was, um, he describes in his obituary that he grew up there until he was about five years old, and then they moved, they set up another homestead in town. So he was running around the tavern when the guests were playing. He'd play around the stoves and whatever. <laughs> Talk about an education on life. I can imagine yeah. uh, you could learn a lot at a tavern back then. Yeah, and, and and they were they played an important role because they offered hospitality to tired travelers, immigrants traveling to their new homesteads that they were building, going to build homes on. And they were uh, the main corridor. And Nathaniel Barney's Barney's Tavern had a, a pretty well-known reputation um, in the whole region. And it was just part of an interesting chapter of southwestern Michigan history, but also American history, you know. So one thing I'm curious about, um, what was the rest of Battle Creek like at this time as far as population or, you know, what other things were in town? Because this is before uh, Kellogg's for sure. Yeah, the um, population was probably well under 3,000 around 1850. Uh, I've read a few articles on that. It was So there wasn't a whole lot of folks around. And Barney's Tavern was really remote. It was on the way out of town. It was a couple miles, you know, west, out in the woods. So, you know, it was really a stagecoach stop, and that was all there was to Bedford. So he was really the first major establishment in the Bedford area. And so you could say maybe that that's what led to there being uh, things in that area um, leading through history and up to the current day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Got it all started there. Yeah, I found it interesting that they traveled by boat up there, too, to go to the tavern. So I think that was probably the locals in town would probably get on a barge. Let's go down to the tavern for the evening <laughs> you know, and have a good time. That'd be fun. You know, take yeah. a nice little... No drinking and driving laws during yeah. that time, I imagine. Yeah. And, and Barney apparently had his own uh, type of ale that he brewed there at the tavern. Any so. description of that around? Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a write-up yeah. in the article. Um but it just said that it had a brimming beaker of nut brown ale and also had a far-reaching reputation. So that was what they found out. <laughs> so it must have had a bite to it, I would say. <laughs> We've been talking with local historian Michael Delaware uh, joining us again this morning. Uh, thanks for sharing all this information with us. Uh, where can people find some more if they want to uh, explore more of what we talked about well, today? They can check out my podcast at Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. And you can find that on Apple and Spotify and all the other apps that are out there. Um, also, check out my YouTube channel. Tomorrow morning, I have a new video on the Plank Roads and Stagecoaches and Barney's Tavern that's going to come out tomorrow morning, and that will be live. And it covers a lot more detail than I covered in the podcast, so you should listen to both of them because there's facts and figures in both of them that 
um, very and the and video shows a lot of the pictures and things of the era, as well as the Barney family and you know the buildings, and it's really it's really kind of a fun fun journey to, through history to look at that period of time and the pioneer history. You know, Absolutely. yeah, life's a lot different these days, and it's uh, interesting to hear about where everything began. Yeah, and we'll definitely be bringing you back again to talk uh, about something again here in a couple of weeks. Real quick, want to give you an opportunity. Uh, you have involvement with the newly branded Battle Creek Battle Jacks, and yeah. their season's coming up in about a month and a half. Well, Did I, I hear I, correctly? You're going to be the pitcher? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I serve as the chairman of the Home Run Dog Park Committee, and the Home Run Dog Park is the official charity of opening night on May 30th. So we get to get out there, and ha- it's Bark in the Park Night. So you can buy tickets. Um, look up Friends of Calhoun County Dog Parks on facebook and join the group and there's a flyer there where you can buy your tickets now um for that game and also july 30th is another bark in the park night and uh, we're actually doing a tryout on april 30th for at the dog park it's a saturday afternoon one to three we're working with the battle jacks on that and you do a tryout with your dog and see if he can become a dog coach to help part out Take part in the fan experience. Have the dog run out and uh, challenge the umpire for a call, or be a bat boy, or a bat or a ball girl <laughs> that sounds, for the doggies. So that sounds yeah. like a lot of fun, and we'll definitely have you and uh, Chief Fun Officer Tyler Shore uh, back in ahead of the season and uh, talk more about the fun happening at the ballpark. Yeah, year. that'll be fun. All right, Michael Delaware, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we will talk to you again real soon. Thank you. Um, so I always liked a, a feel-good story. Uh, we had fun uh, laughing at the expense of an Ohio man chasing after his lawnmower. <laughs> How about uh, we cheer on a Michigan teen who has won an award for, you know, just being a good teen and uh, trying to help others? Yeah, she uh, helped less fortunate students in her school district. Her name is Riley Cisco, and she is a junior at Beale City High School. It's located near Mount Pleasant. Uh, She was returning from a band field trip, and on the way home, they stopped to get some food. Yeah, and that's when she noticed that a couple of the students weren't getting any food, and uh, it was because they couldn't afford it. And that got her thinking uh, she could do something about it, maybe help some of her classmates that are a little less fortunate. Yep, so the idea was to start a give-and-take store for students at her school, and that's how Riley's Closet was born. The store got up and running last fall. They have uh, She has items like clothes, shoes, shampoo and soap and it is all for free and uh riley won an award for this project she recently submitted an essay about riley's closet to a statewide competition on community improvement and took first place she won five thousand dollars and she's putting all of that money toward the closet and creating a care fund for the project so it can continue long after she graduates yep she's currently working on moving the space from a closet to a bigger room Uh, So it'll be Riley's room that even has a better ring to it. (laughs) Yep. The biggest obstacle she has to overcome uh, was getting the students to actually use the room. Yep. uh, She says, uh, this is a quote, while it is confidential, you know, there's always that, oh, no, I need help, but I'm embarrassed about it. Uh, So she says they need to push the idea that there is no shame in getting help and it is okay to reach out and, and be like, hey, I'm struggling I need something. Uh, she was talking to a local TV station. Wow, this is a young lady who uh, is well beyond, beyond her age in her mind. Yes, it's great to see. I know a lot of times people shake their heads and fists and say, kids these days, but <laughs> there are kids these days doing things like this as well, right here in Michigan and in our communities every day. And um, with her taking this beyond her graduation, it's going to help other 
kids and teens coming up, um, they're going to want to carry on that legacy. So she's really creating a long-lasting impact. Uh, This is just a great story. With lots of lessons to be learned in uh, the coming years as it continues on. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather and traffic. Um, I don't know how good of a feeling this is going to give anybody, but I don't know if you knew this, but there is an abandoned tunnel underneath I-94 that once kept a one-room schoolhouse in Michigan open and operating. Yeah, this was a very cool story. Um, It was posted in the Facebook group, Abandoned Old and Interesting Places in Michigan by an Albion resident named Steve Mills. Uh, He posted a photo of uh, this little tunnel under I-94, and there's a story to go with it. Yeah, it, it was, uh, what was it used for? First guess might have been for workers who were building the highway, which that highway would be I-94, many decades ago. But the real reason, quite a bit more interesting. Yeah, and this uh, is something you can actually go check out. Several people have. It's located near mile marker 121 near the B-Drive exit to Albion off I-94, Uh, The section of the highway was reportedly one of the final sections to be completed in this area of Michigan before I-94 opened to traffic in 1960. Yeah, and uh, if you go to our website at 953wbck.com or use your 953wbck app, you could take a look at the photo. But it would allow students and staff access to what was on uh, one of the last remaining one-room schoolhouses in Calhoun County. It was called the White School. It was located on the corner of Sea Drive North and 28-and-a-half-mile road. And then when the freeway was being constructed, people lived on the south side of I-94, no longer had an easy way to get across to make it to the school. Yep, so that tunnel was constructed to allow them to walk beneath I-94 across the schoolhouse. Can you imagine what that would have sounded like with the cars going above? I got to imagine it was kind of scary and then probably <laughs> a little exciting before it eventually would, uh, the newness of it would wear off. Right, it just became the normal thing. Well, according to Mills, that school actually remained open for about seven more years until June of 1967. In fact, that schoolhouse building is still standing in Albion and has since been converted into a private residence. Uh, So don't go knocking on that door. (laughs) Yes, don't go knocking on the doors. Uh, Steve Mills actually said that he had personally used the tunnel as a kid in early 1980s to go visit his friend's house, which was on the other side. Uh, No one's quite sure when they fenced it off so that you couldn't enter it anymore, but uh, it could have easily been about 20 years ago, he says. Yeah, you can still visit the tunnel in Albion, uh, but you cannot go through it. They uh, have barriers up on both ends of the tunnel. I would imagine there's a lot of safety reasons. um, Oh, yes. Or people going under there and doing things they shouldn't do. That could be as well. But but you can still go see it, and it is a really neat story. It's a small example of what a monumental task it was to develop the interstate system, not just in Michigan, but across the United States, Lacey. Yeah. I mean, how many houses had to be moved? Um, It's just crazy. Houses, barns, other structures moved, bulldozed, all of that taking place in the 1950s. Of course, the house you and I live in now... um, was a house that was on uh, the path that I-94 was once on, and it was physically moved. Yeah, and it's a story we're hoping to learn more about. Uh, We just kind of scratched the surface with that uh, when we were looking into it. But yeah, houses had to be moved, or uh, they had to get the uh, whatever. They had to get stuff out of the way, taking over certain parts of properties. I'm sure it was controversial. Um, Now, some of the information related to this tunnel is considered word of mouth. uh, So we are looking for any... More concrete information. Information. It's concrete. made out of concrete. Yeah. I didn't intend that. 
Um, <laughs> I like how you stopped to laugh at yourself. <laughs> if you can expand on this neat little nugget of history, uh, again, you can reach out to us, leave a comment on this article on our Facebook page, or you can uh, email us. We'd love to hear you. Or if you have photos of the tunnel from long ago or of that one-room schoolhouse in Albion, those would be really cool to see, too. And if you don't, well, perhaps you'd enjoy looking through some photos of the area one-room schoolhouses uh, that we have down below the article, too. Yep, big gallery there. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with a look at your weather. Uh, So you and I have both uh, been in planes. I've actually got the opportunity to pilot a plane at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever been in a helicopter? That's one I have not been in. We've been in hot air balloons. Yeah, we've been in hot air balloons, but uh, I have not been in a helicopter either would you do it i would go for a helicopter ride i've been in one on the ground when they had the blades going i was probably when i was a kid and uh, we got to go inside but it did not take off with me inside of it yeah i think <laughs> i've gotten a chance to check out the inside of one uh once or twice uh going to air shows and stuff at different points but yeah i've never never been in a helicopter ride um but there is a company that is offering sky tours over elegant Yep, uh, it's a one-of-a-kind view the community uh, can get with the uh, My Flight Tour. They decided to add some opportunities by adding a season. Uh, the springtime helicopter tours only offered on select weekends during the spring of this year. Yeah, do you have a bucket list or perhaps know someone who does? Uh, this might be something that would be something to check off of that bucket list. Um so, yeah, like you said, they started it with a fall, fall tour. It was so popular that they decided to give a springtime an opportunity. Um, you get this really great view of freshly budding trees in addition to the Kalamazoo River. And uh, if you look at the photo that's uh, inside the article on our website here, um, you can actually look at the city with uh, with the clouds being above, like they're above the clouds in this photo. And the difference between being on a helicopter and being on a plane is you're going in one direction, you know, for the most part. And so you kind of go by things fast. A helicopter can sit it, it and It maneuvers hover. a lot better. Yeah. And so you can get a nice long look at what you're looking at below. And uh, yeah, this picture looks amazing. It would be even more exciting uh, to see it for yourself with your own eyes. Yeah, and if you're wanting to book a tour, you have to do so in advance through their website, which we have links to, and uh, you have to pick a 30-minute window time frame, and uh, sometime in that 30-minute window, the helicopter will take off, and you can find out about the cost. We have that up on our website as well as uh, where they take off from, um, but they also offered something really cool. Yeah. Uh, if you really wanted to step up your your <laughs> Easter egg hunt, um, they actually offer a service where they will drop the eggs <laughs> over your church, your home, uh, park, wherever you're wanting um, to do so legally, that is. Um, they will drop it, and that would uh, really make it difficult, I think. Wow, that is a very enhanced Easter egg hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, could you just imagine uh, everybody sitting there and they're like, what are we waiting for? Can we go out and start hunting? And all of a sudden a helicopter comes by and you see them drop them everywhere. <laughs> it's raining Easter eggs. <laughs> I, I assume these are plastic eggs, not real eggs. <laughs> yes, uh, that would be different. And uh, <laughs> the Easter Bunny is uh, still on a job. Uh, this is just a service that is offered for extra events that the Easter Bunny wouldn't normally be helping out with. Okay, well, that's... That's good. And the Easter Bunny is busy enough. We do, don't want to throw or she. more work his his or her way. Yeah. Um, there's enough on the plate already. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, you could read more about the Elegant Helicopter Sky Tours on our website, uh, on our app, and 
as well as our Facebook page. Lots of places to get this uh, fun information. Uh, so finally, finally, we were able to uh, watch the American Song Contest last night. Yeah. And uh, a, another good slew of performances. Yeah, there. It, it always amazes me um, the different people that are around there. And there was a couple that, uh, of course, we were somewhat familiar with the names, but uh, we didn't personally recognize uh, the music, like uh, uh, Crystal Method from uh, Las Vegas. It was a great performance. Uh, it was a group that was around before. It's a new incarnation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they uh, I didn't, I don't really remember them, but they. They're kind of one of those that uh, had a hit before. I remember the name. I can't say I remembered specific songs, uh, but they were a popular artist in the, the late 90s, early 2000s or something. I mean, they've had other people on like Jewel, mm-hmm. Macy Gray, and Michael Bolton that we've talked about. From- yeah, but uh, Ada Lee Ann, uh, the Battle Creek resident that is representing the entire state of Michigan in the American Song Contest, uh, she's going to be performing on Monday. Yes, she will be on the show this Monday, the last batch of states and territories to uh, be featured. Featured. They've made it through all uh, but Michigan and I think 10 others. There's usually 10 or 11 that will be on the show. So she's going to be featured sometime Monday evening on the show. She's- and she's counting on all of us to, to help vote for her, support her. Um, I would love to see her win it. She's the youngest contestant on the show and she's up against uh, some people with some pretty big resumes. Absolutely. And what we'll do is uh, Lacey and I are going to put together an article and get it up and we'll have some information on how to watch the show and how to vote uh, so that on Monday night we can throw as much support behind her. We would love to see uh, this nice young lady from Battle Creek uh, bring home a a big uh, award or a big prize or a big hit song. I'm excited to see her uh, talk about the city because they each of the... um contestants uh, get interviewed in their hometown and you get to see all kinds of different things from around the cities. So that's going to be fun to see uh, what they showcase on the show as well. We'll tell you more about it soon. And your weather for today, it's going to be a sunny afternoon, very windy. We could see gusts over 40 miles per hour and a high in the lower 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy, still windy and a low near 40. Tomorrow, it'll be windy with overcast skies and a chance for some light rain and a high in the lower 50s. Right now, it is sunny. It is 38 degrees and it feels like 31. Yep. And we will be back with you to wrap up the week tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. right here on 95.3 W. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout let's hear that one more time the world's best converting checkout shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website across social media and everywhere in between now that's music to your ears any way you spin it you can be a smash hit with shopify start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records